free cup of coffee from the cafe for the first person who can tell me who wrote that song. Who pre- wow, y'all are old. Y'all, yeah. 1966, 10 years before I was born, that song came out. Listen, here's what I want y'all to know. Don't ever make fun of my generation's music if you like that song, okay? Man, the holidays are here. And the holidays are the most wonderful time of the year, so they say. It's amazing, the older I get, not quite old enough to know that song, but the older I get, the more crazy the holiday season becomes. The more stressful the holiday season becomes. And what I've learned over the years, if you're not intentional during the holiday season, the most wonderful time of the year can very quickly become the most miserable time of the year. So we're launching a new series today called Christmas Preppers. And we're prepping for the holidays. We're prepping for what many people seems like doomsday as we approach Christmas Day. I love Christmas. Hands down, it's my favorite time of the year. I love the house decorated. I love the lights. We have several Christmas trees in our home. We go look at lights. Man, I love the the Christmas giving process about it. I love everything there is. I had this crazy fantasy in my head during the holiday season that it's just going to be great A relaxing time of the year. I can't even get that out without laughing. I had this dream that even though we live in Georgia, man, it's going to be that perfect cold. Just cold enough to snow, but no snow that ices the roads at all. It's just going to be incredible. I had this image that we're going to build a fire. We don't even have a fireplace at our house. But in my mind, we do, and it's going to be amazing. We're going to make Norman Rockwell memories every holiday season. That's my fantasy. And then normally what happens during the holiday season is my Norman Rockwell moments look a whole lot more like Christmas vacation moments. And it quickly goes down the drain. The reality is the holidays are stressful. They're the most wonderful time of the year balanced with the most stressful time of the year. Instead of holiday joy, instead of season's greetings, instead of Christmas cheer, so many times what takes over during this time of the year is crazy schedules, Christmas parties, mall traffic, Christmas dinner where your crazy uncle who gets drunk and starts a family feud. Last year the feud was over politics. This year the feud will be over to mask or not to mask. The holidays are a stressful time of the year. And if we're not careful, that stress can ruin the holiday season. The Bible says this. We talked about it last week. The Bible says anxiety weighs down the heart. Stress, anxiety, tension weighs down the heart. It it literally makes that internal feeling of heaviness. You know how sometimes you say, man, I feel like I have a thousand pounds just sitting on my chest. Anxiety weighs down the heart. And when we feel stress, it affects our heart. And our heart affects our entire being. Last week, we talked about the first Christmas ever. And we talked about the stress that Mary and Joseph went through. And we talked about how they dealt with that stress. If you missed that, you can go to actionchurch.tv and listen to that. You can go to the podcast um, app on your phone. And you can find actionchurch.tv. And you can download that for free. Today, I want to talk to you about what is the leading cause of stress during the holidays. Last week, we talked about stress in general. Today, I want to talk to you about the leading cause. It's not even up for negotiation. It's not even up for debate. The leading cause of stress during the holidays is financial stress. The most wonderful time of the year very quickly comes into one giant spending spree. From Christmas gifts to Christmas parties, to travel expenses, to entertainment, 
I feel like I hear ching, ching, bling, bling a whole lot more than I hear Merry Christmas. And if you're not careful, the financial stress of the holidays can literally make you dread the holidays. The average American will spend $1,250 this year just on gifts. $1,250 just on gifts. Add all the gas for traveling, all the money for the side dishes you'll be bringing to parties, add the money for the holiday dinner you'll be hosting, the money you'll give to causes that you don't normally give to, and they say the average American will add $2,000 to their monthly budget in the month of December. For a lot of people who already live paycheck to paycheck, for a lot of people who are already feeling financial stress, especially in 2020, adding $2,000 to that is almost reaching the breaking point. I was reading an article this week and it said, though so many people have lost income this year, retailers expect no drop in spending during the holiday season. They said because people want to feel what they call a sense of normalcy in the midst of the chaos. And what's sad is normal for us is get into more debt. Spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people that, to be honest, we don't even like. Welcome to America, where it's magnified during the Christmas season. Today, I want to talk to you about the subject of financial stress. People get funny when you talk about money in the church. People get tense when you talk about money in the church. I've got good news for you today. I'm not going to be talking about you giving your money so you can relax. But I'm going to talk about how to manage your money. I'm going to talk about the stress you feel during your handling your money. Did you know that there's no single subject that Jesus taught on more than money? Did you know that he talked about money more than he talked about prayer, faith, sharing the gospel? Not only did he talk more about money than those three things, he talked more about money than those three things combined. Because Jesus knew that even back then, and especially today, our God is money. Our God is possessions. Our God is security. Nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with possessions. Nothing wrong with security. Until those things become more important than God, which happens for so many of us. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to Luke chapter 12. If not, it'll be up here on the screen. We're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to read through an entire text. I'm not going to give you a couple of points and bounce around the Bible. I'm going to read through this text. And then we're going to go back and I'm going to break down this text. And here's what you need to understand today. We believe this book is true. I believe this is the word of God. So you need to start with that preface. Because if I don't start with that preface, you might not understand what I'm going to talk to you about today. We don't believe, and I say it all the time, and I know it sounds cliche right here. Everybody jokes about it. But we don't believe it's a buffet. It's not golden corral. You don't get to pick and choose what you eat and what you don't eat. It's the word of God. God wrote it to us. And let me make this very clear to you. It's as relevant today as the day it was written. To any question you have in your life, any situation you're dealing with in your life, the answer is found in this book. You might not choose to read this book, but it doesn't change the fact that the truth is found in this book. You might not choose to believe what is in this book. You might convince yourself it's outdated to justify your lack of faith, but the answer is here. And when it comes to financial stress, man, it is here. Our text today is dealing with the subject of fear. Our text today is dealing with the subject of anxiety. It's dealing with the subject of stress. And Jesus is going to show us some things about our fear, our anxiety, and our stress. But here's what I dig about Jesus. He's also going to show us how to deal with those things. And I think one of the biggest issues in the church today when it comes to preaching is preachers are great at identifying the problems, but they stop short of giving the solutions. 
This book identifies the problems and the solutions. If you leave church on a Sunday without action steps, biblical action steps to put into your life, then your preacher has let you down. We already know the problem so many times. What we need is the solution. Thank God he loved us so much that he gave us a book that has the solutions. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 12. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Therefore, if I tell you do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you'll wear, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. He says, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you are worrying can add a single hour to your life? Holy smokes, you can preach right there all day long. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? If that is how God clothes the grasses of the field which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. Do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Then here's the solution. He said, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Then he kind of takes a turn right here. I'm going to get to this in the end to break it down for you where you understand it. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a powerful portion of scripture. It's a portion of scripture that I've heard a lot of preachers get up and preach on this text, and they talk about it in the context of stress, worry, anxiety, and the scripture fits every one of those categories. But let me make this very clear to you, and I very rarely have heard preachers talk about it in this context. It does talk about anxiety. It does talk about worry, but it's talking about it as it pertains specifically to financial stress. This entire portion of scripture is about financial stress. The good news is you're not the first person to feel financial stress. It was so strong that God decided he needed an entire portion of scripture to deal with it. There's nothing new in the financial stress that we feel. And God in his infinite wisdom gave us the solution to deal with that. Preachers get up and they talk about this. It's a power-packed portion of Scripture. The first thing I want you to recognize as you're reading this is financial stress simply begins in the mind. Financial stress begins in the mind. Our mind begins to play tricks on us. The Bible says in Luke 12, 12, do not be afraid, little flock. That's key right there. He says, do not be afraid. That phrase, do not be afraid, literally means fear not. In the original language, that verse would would read, fear not, little flock. Fear not. It's the most given command in the Bible. There's 613 commands in the Bible. And the command, fear not, check it out, check it out, check it out, is given 365 times, once for every day of the year. That's powerful. Fear not. (laughs) If you took the entire Bible, all 66 books, and you pulled out every command, the one that's given the most is fear not. And and he's coming along, he's talking about financial stress, and he says, hey, little flock, chill. Fear not. Man, it it sounds to me (laughs) like this was just something that was reoccurring in this day. The Bible was written over the course of a few thousand years by 40 different authors in multiple nations, and over and over and over and over and over and over, God says, fear not. They were a people that were gripped with anxiety. Sound familiar? They were a society gripped with stress. Sound familiar? They were a society who felt the burden of providing financially. 
people were being controlled by their fears and being controlled by your fears is nothing new. So many of us allow fear to control us. But Jesus comes along and says, hey, fear not. Quit stressing. Now, let me cover something here. Fear not does not mean, he says, don't plan. God's got it. I ain't worried about it. I'm going to spend. That's not what he's saying. That's you justifying your idiocy. Is that a word, idiocy? It is in the Gary Lamb language. He's not saying don't plan. He's not saying don't prepare. Some of you, some of us, at times, are simply lazy and irresponsible. (laughs) And you take the fact that Jesus says don't fear when it comes to finances as an excuse to spend whatever you want, not budget your money, not pay taxes, not have life insurance, and not prepare for a rainy day or COVID striking. Mm-mm. Some of you, because here's the deal. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to defend the fact that we're doing Christmas for people and I'll defend it to the end. But some of you need Christmas taking care of you every year because you Don't have the testicular fortitude to realize you're an idiot when it comes to spending money. I'm going to hit you on both sides of it. It's not my job to tell you what you want to hear. It's my job to tell you what you need to hear. I did it this morning with someone I love dearly. Probably love more than anybody in the church. They came and asked my opinion. And for the first time in 15 years being their pastor... I had to say, you need to pray about that when I think you're wrong. She said, how'd they take it? They took it great. Because they knew I, I said it in love. See, the problem is you want someone to tell you what you want to hear. You got the wrong guy. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. You, need to, you don't want a pastor, you want a prostitute. You want someone that you pay, and therefore they do what you want. Wrong guy. Not going to happen. Well, I don't think I'll be back. Okay, that's cool. In three years from now, you'll be in the same mess you're in now because you just want to hear someone tell you what you want to hear. Not going to happen. We're going to help you. But some of you need to get together. You see fear not, and, and you refuse to take responsibility when it comes to your finances. And the reason when everything falls apart, you go into petty mode because you haven't planned or prepared. Guess what? If you'd have planned and prepared, you wouldn't have any fear. Funny how that works, ain't it? Ain't going to be a lot of amens today. I'm okay with that. Westrick, where are you at? Amen me today all day long. If no one else does, you do. The Bible says we should be prepared. The Bible says we should plan for the future, but we shouldn't fear the future. God takes care of us. Don't freak out of that. Don't stress over it. Do all you can. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Do all you can. And then trust God. He's got you. The Bible says we, we reap what we sow. If you sow smartly, you'll reap smartly. Jesus says we're not, we're not to fear. You say, what is fear? Fear, fear is very simply this. Fear is our response to danger. Whether it's real are perceived. If we perceive something, we're fearful. My kids went to the haunted house last night. They know it's fake. They know it's people dressed up. Guess what? They were scared to death because they perceived fear. Guess what? I know it's fake. I know it's people dressed up. I didn't go. You say, why? Because I don't want to be scared. (laughs) But it's fake. I don't care. I perceive it. Christine came home and told me the midget runs out at you. No. No. I'm not drop taking a midget. It's not happening. Fear begins in our minds. Because we allow fear to develop. 
And all of us have fear. Some of us, some of us fear sickness, some fear death, some drowning, burning, um, public speaking, being single, going to jail. We all have fears and stresses in our life. But the large majority of us deal with fear for financial stress. It's, it's, it's never enough. I, I think I shared with you the time, the stats. Now, I, I can't remember the exact stats, so I won't give them to you. But they asked people who made $50,000 a year, what would it take for them to be comfortable financially? And overwhelming, those that made 50000 said 100000 They asked those that made 100000 what would it take for you to be financially comfortable and not stressed? And they said 200000 And they asked those that made 500000 what would it take for you not to feel financial stress? A million so no matter how much you make, we feel financial stress and like it can be taken away at any time. I hear people say, I don't understand how these millionaires, these basketball players go bankrupt because they just had another zero. I buy a $30,000 truck, they buy a $300,000 car. Same percentages. We don't have a money problem, we have a spending problem and we don't know how to spend and therefore we have financial stress as a result of it. And the holidays come along and we're really stressed out and it takes the joy out of the season. But God breaks it down here. Breaks it down here. Can I confess something to you? I used to read Fear Not. <laughs> You're going to laugh. I used to read Fear Not, and it would stress me out. I would see it and think, man, God's being stern to me today. Because I read it in my God voice, kind of like you read text sometimes. I took it as God saying, Fear Not! Like I thought like I was, I was some inadequate Christian because I was having fear and then I would get stressed that I wasn't living up to the, the Christ follower standard that the Baptist church said I ought to live up to. And I would feel stress over it. But he's not saying fear not in a stern way. He's saying fear not as an invitation. He's telling us tenderly, hey, fear not. I got you. I got you. And he's going to give us examples of how much he's got us. And really what fear boils down to is, is lack of faith. We don't trust that God's going to provide for us. We don't trust that God's going to take care of us. So as the financial pressures of the season is on us, our mind tells us to freak out. It's funny, man. Stress reveals our values. It, it, it reveals to you how we really feel about something. So what happens is fear starts in our mind, but then fear begins to affect our body. Fear begins to affect our mind. So it starts in our mind, then it begins to affect our body. Now remember the text Jesus is talking about financial stress here. He invites us not to fear because, man, fear is a huge issue that's going on in this time. And he says, quit fearing. And he says, fear starts in the mind, but then it manifests in the body. Look what he says, Luke 20, 25. Who of you worrying can add a single hour to your life? He said, why are you worrying? It's not adding anything to you. I, I love this. Over 2,000 years ago, and they're dealing with the same issues we deal with today, financial stress. He's saying you're going to reduce the quality of your life by stressing. He says you're shortening your life by stressing. You're stressing and you're gaining weight. You're stressing and you can't sleep. You're stressing and you're having stomach issues. All because you're stressing. And why are you stressing? You're stressing because you don't trust God. And, and then what's sad is instead of trusting God, we look to things. Alcohol. I, the big thing now, everybody's on the weed kick. And I am, I'm not an anti-weed person, so here's the deal. I hate to bust your burble, I'm not. But here's the deal. When you're relying on getting lost in weed to reduce your stress, instead of the fact that God says fear not, you're relying on the wrong thing. When you can't get through the day without a drink, I just got to knock the edge off. Well, why do you got an edge if you're trusting God? He's God. You ain't got to like that, but it's the truth. It's the truth. I'm not saying that I don't have those same struggles. I'm not saying I got it all together in this thing. Man, I stress. I'm not preaching at you today. I'm preaching with you today. I'm getting reminded today after what we've been through the last couple weeks. Man, I, I, I get it. Who of you worrying can add a single hour to your life? 
Fear in the mind leads to stress in the body. And stress, it's just, it's the body's response to fear. And our body begins to shut down on us. And we're literally killing ourselves because of stress. Remember what I told you last week? Eight out of ten illnesses are directly related to stress. They're made worse because of stress. Man. But here's the good news about our fears, especially our financial fears. And this is what I dig about Jesus. And it's so simple. Look at this. Jesus understands our fears. Jesus understands our fears. I thought that was going to be a point up on the screen, but it's, oh, there we go. <laughs> Jesus understands our fears. He understands it. He gets it. I, I, I don't know about you, but I think that's what's awesome about Jesus. To me, this is what separates Jesus from any other religion. Jesus came and lived on this earth for 33 years. Nobody denies that he lived on this earth. Even atheists don't deny that he lived on this earth. Historians don't deny it. He went through the same struggles that you and I went through. And I dig it. I think it's awesome that Jesus comes along and talks about financial stress. Jesus went through financial stress. There was a, the portion of Scripture where he couldn't even pay his taxes. The Bible says he had no place to lay his head. He was homeless. He gets it. He's been there, done that. They always say, don't, don't follow a leader who doesn't have a limp. Man, Jesus had a limp. There's nothing we go through that he didn't go through. In my mind, it's easy to say, fear not when you're up on the right hand of God. Man, you're chilling in heaven with the angels. But he's on earth living like we are when he says this. He dealt with the same things you and I dealt with. And he's saying, fear not. When Jesus says, fear not, he understands what it's like to suffer physically. He understands what it's like to deal with death. He understands what it's like to die. He understands what it's like to have financial pressure. And he comes along and says, hey, breathe, fear not. God's got you. And he lays it down for us. He lays out these verses to, to us. And he flips the script on us. I've read a lot of articles and a lot of books and listened to a lot of podcasts on stress. And we're a selfish society. And it always says, focus on yourself. Get yourself right. And you should get yourself right. But Jesus flips the script at the end of this and throws a curveball on how you deal with stress. It's classic Jesus. But let's just go by verse by verse through it. Because I want to break it down for you. Because it's so powerful. You read this portion of scripture and if you don't break it down, you don't understand it. Look what he says. For life is more than food. Life is more than food. Let's stop right there. We'll get through it, I promise. I got a long time. I am a big fan of food, as you can tell. Christine, what's the first question I ask you every morning? What's for dinner? I want to know what's for dinner. I want to mentally prepare for what's for dinner. I want to get excited about what's for dinner. I want to think about the awesomeness of the dinner. Then after I ask for what's dinner, you know what I begin to think in my own mind? What am I going to do about breakfast? <laughs> and while I'm eating breakfast, you know what I begin to think about? You know what I'm going to do for lunch today? I love to eat. And eating's kind of a necessity. It's kind of one of those things that help us live. But he says, but your life is more than food. That's key because eating's important. And what he's saying is, man, food can become all-consuming to us. For us, it's what are we going to eat? Back in this day and time, it was how are they going to eat? Remember, they had to grow their food or kill their food. So it was literally a daily thing. What are we going to eat? What are we going to do? Food was all-consuming in this time. If you didn't hunt, you didn't fish, you didn't grow, you didn't eat. He says, hey, life's more than food. They wouldn't have understood this. I'm going to rephrase that. They would have understood this because it was contrary to their way of thinking. Food consumed them because they had to have food to live. He says, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Now, is it a sin to wear clothes? No. 
For some of you, it's a sin not to wear clothes. It's not what he's saying. But he's saying, quit worrying about about your appearance. Quit worrying about what you look like. Quit faking it. Quit worrying about looking like you've got it all together. Because everyone knows you don't. Let me tell you how to, the biggest way to find out if someone don't have it all together. You ready? If on Facebook they act like they have it all together. Sure enough sign. Let me tell you how to find out someone's got marriage problems. The person who posts nonstop about how great their marriage is. The ones that are great don't need to post about it all the time. The ones that are going through hard times are convincing themselves that it ain't so bad. He said, quit worrying about food, quit worrying about clothing. And then he comes along and throws a curveball. And I've read a lot of books and a lot of things about stress, but I've never done this. I've never had one that says do this. He says, consider the ravens. Consider the ravens. I've never read a book on stress where I got to chapter 7 and it was called Nasty Birds. (laughs) But that's what he does here. He's addressing financial stress, and he says, think about the ravens. Ravens are the nastiest birds there are. They're unclean. They're nasty. Nobody but the old man Brooks on Shawshank Redemption has a raven as a pet. If you know someone that has a raven as a pet, they're not all there. They're not all there. You might have the crazy guy in town. Every town's got that crazy guy. Maybe you got a crazy guy in town with a raven on his shoulder. I don't know. But here's the deal. You ain't hanging out with Raven Man. He comes along and says, consider the ravens. They're scavenger birds. They steal. They, they eat on dead things. They're worthless. But Jesus comes along and says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about it. Consider the ravens. And look what he says. Consider the ravens. They don't sow. They don't reap. They have no storehouse or no barn. Yet God feeds them. He says, how much more valuable are you than birds? You might not know this about ravens, but guess what? They're not farmers. They don't have combines. They aren't heading to the barn to get the food they've stored up. (laughs) Yet God does what? He feeds them. He takes care of them. I think ravens are stupid. Even the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Yet God feeds them. God takes care of them. And here's the point. If God's willing to feed a nasty bird, how much more is he going to take care of us? Quit worrying about what you're going to eat. Quit worrying about the financial stress. He takes care of the ravens. And then look what he says. Consider how the wildflowers grow. I, again, I don't know about you, I've read a lot of books on stress. I've read a lot of articles. I've listened to a lot of sermons. I've never had anybody say, man, just consider the wildflowers. Now, I might have been around some dope-smoking hippies that said this. Man, consider the wildflowers. But he's talking about financial stress. and says, just consider the wildflowers. This is from a man's man, a carpenter named Jesus. (laughs) And I know he's teaching it, but it just sounds weird to me. I'm dealing with financial stress, God, and you're coming on saying, don't worry about what I eat or what I wear. Consider the ravens, old nasty birds. Just think about the wildflowers, man. Look what he says. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor. They do not spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's saying, hey, wildflowers don't have fashion shows. They don't have malls to go to. They're not, they're not watching what not to wear. And they're not on Pinterest finding the latest fashions. He's saying, but look at them. They're beautiful. They're awesome. God clothed them. In the springtime, there's nothing more beautiful. You know one of my favorite parts of living where we live? I love this. I love living here. But I love coming up 575 in the spring, and they've planted all those wildflowers in the median. And you come up the interstate, and you see the mountains in the distance, and the wildflowers just growing. They're pink and white and purple, and they're beautiful. 
He's saying, consider the wildflowers. Look how beautiful God makes them. They're amazing. And look what he says. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. I like how he gets those zingers in. He's saying, you're stressed over eating clothing, and God takes care of everything. He's going to take care of you. Quit stressing over it. He's saying, God's a good God. He says in the next verse, do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about it. He said, quit being consumed with these things. Quit being consumed about how you're going to pay the power bill, you're going to pay the mortgage, or you're going to pay the car payment. He's saying, God's got you. Remember, he's saying, stressing over those things weighs down the heart. Anxiety weighs down the heart. It starts in your mind. It begins to affect your body. And you're stressing instead of relying on God, you're going out and buying cheap booze to hide from it. And guess what happens when you wake up sober? You're still thinking about it. God. It's amazing to me how we as adults handle things that we would beat the hell out of our kids if they handled them the same way. But why wouldn't our kids handle the same way? Because we act like kids. He says, look what he says. I got to keep going. He says, for the pagan world runs after all these things. And your father knows that you need them. He said, are these things bad? No, they're not bad. There's nothing wrong with having clothes. Thank God for clothes. He said, there's nothing wrong with having great food. There's nothing wrong with that. He said, but God knows you need those things. Quit stressing over them. It's not a sin to have these things. It's not a sin to enjoy these things. It's a sin to allow these things to dominate your thoughts. I'm going to say that again because that was weak as hell. Because you didn't hear what I said. Or you did hear what I said and you're so convicted. You're sitting there stewing in your conviction. (laughs) It's not a sin to have nice things. It's not a sin to enjoy nice things. It's a sin to let these things dominate your thought life. That's what those who don't know God do. They judge success by their things. They judge success by their possessions. They judge success by their clothes, by their cars, by their houses. Again, buying things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't even like. You're weak as hell. I'm sorry. There's no other way for me to say it. You're a grown adult who's still acting like a middle schooler and giving in to peer pressure, and you're stressing yourself out and you're killing yourself in the process. That's pitiful. It's pitiful. Man, it's enlightened me. I wasn't around my two oldest 24-7 as they were going through middle school and high school. I'm around Emily 24-7. And I watch her deal with peer pressure. And man, you couldn't pay me to go back to middle school nowadays. I wouldn't do it for anything in the world. But you know what? I catch myself getting angry that she deals with it or that she gives into it or she's impacted by it. And I think to myself, why? I know this adult who does the same thing and 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 this person's about to lose everything because they give into peer pressure as an adult. Why wouldn't a kid give into it? That's what they see as an example from the adults. Awful quiet today. I'm good with that. He said, you're so busy in the rat race. You get consumed with these things. Working your life away to pay for things. Going to a job you can't stand. Imagine if you weren't consumed with these things and you got to go do a job you loved. Now anybody that knows me knows I'm super passionate about that. Again, there's nothing wrong with the things. We're in the process of buying a new house right now. Super excited about it. But I'll be danged if I'm going to go spend my life doing something I hate to buy that house. I just get to do what I love. And luckily the house falls in line with it. You say, what happens if that dries up? Then we'll lose the house. What happens if you lose the house? Well, we'll start over. Done it before. I don't fear that. 
When you've already failed in life, you don't fear failure because failure is not fatal. <laughs> Man, who cares? Then he says, boom, curveball. But seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. He says, quit focusing on these things and focus on the things of God. Focus on what matters. Focus on your relationship with God. Focus on your marriage. Focus on raising your children. Focus on being a good person. And by good, I don't mean doing good, good things, outweighing bad things. I just mean being a person who people like to be around. He says, focus on the things of God. And guess what? When you focus on these things, all the other things that get added to you. Heard a guy this week talking. It made so much sense. He said, man, I was growing my company and growing my company and growing my company. He goes, but when I quit worrying about the money of my company, I started making more money than ever. He goes, when my company started giving away and helping people all around us, all of a sudden there was more money coming in than I knew what to do with. When you get on God's program, he'll bless you. It's that simple. You reap what you sow. Man, you complicate it. You reap selfishness all about you. You, Are you sow selfishness? You reap selfishness. You sow greed, you reap greed. You sow helping other people and lending out. No questions asked. Guess what you reap it. I see it all the time. He says, quit seeking after your desires. Oh, this is so good. Quit seeking after your desires and seek what God desires for you. The problem with so many of you is you want what you want instead of what God wants for you. Man. And he says, do not be afraid, little flock, because your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. How many of you got kids? How many of you want to give your kids whatever you, whatever you can that will also help them learn to be an adult? Man, it does your heart good to do those things. I love, love when my kids want to do something or participate in something and we're able to do it for them. It's the greatest thing in the world. It makes me appreciate all that my parents did. It's awesome. God's that way. He's the Father. He said, please him to give you the kingdom. He, he wants you to be blessed. Now, blessed doesn't always mean financial blessing. It's not getting the prosperity thing. But he wants you to be blessed. I need to do a series on what being blessed literally means. I need to start writing down what I need to do a series on because I forget about it. Man, but check it out. I love this. We're right back where we started. He says, fear not. He says it again, fear not. Starts when not fearing, ends when not fearing. Man, he says we don't have to fear. We don't have to let grip affect us, fear grip us and affect us. Man, he said when you let it happen, it's affecting your body. But this is where I always see the preachers end. They identify the problem. They don't give the solution. And the solution scares them. Because they think if they preach on the solution, that they're going to think the preacher's all about their money. So let me make this very clear. I don't care about your money. You must have me mistaken for somebody else. I don't know who gives what around here. Don't give two rips about who gives what around here. We have an outside firm that handles our finances. I call them once a month and say, can we pay the bills? We can. Cool. Pay them. So I don't care. My mortgage is going to get paid whether you give or not. I don't mean that in a jerkish way. I just simply mean I can say this with a clear conscience today, that I have no ulterior motives today. Look what he says. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near or no moth destroys for where your treasures, your heart will also. He's saying, boom, you're worried about stress. You're worried about what you're going to eat. You're going to worry about what you're going to eat. He says, I take care of the ravens. I take care of the flowers. He said, you're all stressed about this. It's affecting you. He said, boom. Just be generous. I'm not telling you he's saying today to go sell everything and give it away. But what he's saying is quit worrying about it and just be generous. Impact other people. Assist other people. Affect other people. You know what I would do today if I couldn't afford Christmas for my kids? Be honest with you. And she will tell you this is the truth. I'd go right back to that tree back there and I'd grab an ornament. And I'd make sure some other kid had a Christmas present 
before I sure made sure my kids had a Christmas present. Why? Because you can't outgive God. By doing that, God will get invested in what I'm interested in, and God always provides. You give away, yeah. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide persons for yourself that will not wear a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief can come and no moth destroys. He's saying your life follows your money. When you're stressed over money, you're stressed in life. Where does your money go? Odds are it goes to your fears. You want security, so it goes to your home. You want comfort, so it goes to entertainment. You want status, so it goes to possessions. You want approval, so it goes to clothes. You want friends, so it goes to gifts. And Jesus got it so right here. He said, man, where your money goes, your heart goes. So if your money goes to helping others, it all lines up for us. He says, give to those in need. He's not just talking about giving financially here. He, he, though he is talking about, he said, give of our time, give of our talents, give of our treasures. You'll never go wrong giving. And again, I haven't said one time giving to the church. That's a whole other sermon for another day. I do believe the Bible preaches tithing. But the Bible talks about tithes and offerings. I'm talking about offerings right now. Giving to those in need. But Jesus is saying the reason you're stressed it's because you've made life all about you. It's all about you. What are you going to eat and what are you going to wear and what are you going to drive? And he said, man, focus on other people. Turn your attention to others, those in need, those that are going through hard times. You don't have a money problem. Chances are you got a heart problem. You're selfish and you're hoarding it all. Instead of meeting the needs of others. Can I tell you a secret? I've never, and I don't use that word a lot, I've never met a broke giver. Never. Never. But I've met a lot of broke, selfish people. Let me tell you what else I do today. If I had a family... A child that was on that tree, you shouldn't feel the least bit ashamed. It's our honor to help you. Amen. Hold on, hold on, stop, 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 stop. But I'd leave here today and I'd go to that tree and I'd pull an ornament off of it. And I'd make sure I was being generous to someone else. I don't care if it's a pair of socks. I'm just saying that's what I'd do. Because when you make it about others, God's going to make sure others make it about you. You're stressed about your finances. And God says, stop stressing. I got you. I take care of ravens. They're worthless. What does a raven do? I guess cleans roadkill. Other than that, what's a raven do? Let's just know where the dead bodies are. Is a raven and a buzzard the same thing? Okay, well, never mind. They're not even good for that. How fitting, oh, I shouldn't say that, never mind. I was going to say how fitting that Baltimore named their team the Ravens. Fits the town. Uh, but I, I, you take that as me being political, and I don't want to do that. Ravens are worthless. He said, consider the wildflowers. He closed them. Here's what you need to realize today. God's got you. God's going to take care of you. God's going to provide for you. Now, some of you need to realize it's God, though. Because here's the deal. I believe God takes care of me, but I ain't ever went to the mailbox, ever, and had a check signed, God. <laughs> but you know what I've had? I've had extra hours at work, signed God. I've had that refrigerator that should have broke down three years ago, still run, signed God. I've had that $100 handshake that someone slipped into my hand, signed God. God's going to provide for you. God's going to clothe you. It might be that I think you need some clothes because you're walking around here half naked and I'm going to go get the clothes. Signed, God. That's only in the summertime around here. God provides. Quit worrying about yourself and worry about others. I always share this story. When I met my wife, 
We were together in everything that we did except finances. My wife had come from a period in her life where she didn't have a lot of money, wasn't able to do a lot of things. We didn't have a lot of money either, but I told her, I said, let me make this clear. We give. I don't care if the house payment gets paid. It's the only thing I, because you don't tell my wife much. That is not how it really works. She's not the type that takes you telling her something well. So if you're going to tell her, you better make sure you're lying in the sand. I said, I don't care. The utilities get cut off. We give first. That's what we do. She never followed me. Okay. Boom, 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 boom. There's been some times in our marriage where we had to implement that philosophy. And I tell you, it's funny now. I'm a pretty generous person. Man, I don't mean that in a bragging way. I grew up with very generous parents. It's just all I knew. My wife now exceeds me in generosity. Now there's times I look at my wife and I say, you want to give how much? To who? To do what? Well, what about, she said, just trust me. God's got it. And every time we do it, <laughs> we don't miss a meal. And as you can tell, I don't miss a meal, so I had to go buy new clothes to fit. Because you can do one of two things when you start to gain weight. You can lose weight. That would mean you have to put in work. Not doing that. Or you can go buy bigger clothes. So God not only provides food for me, he then provides clothes for me to cover up the big love of food. Can't outgive God. Some of you need to realize that. You want to deal with the financial stress going on in your life? Give. Make it about others. Now, I want to give you a couple of practical things as we're in the holiday. I'm not going to preach them. I'm just going to give them to you because I know we're running, actually, we're not running that late. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of practical things as it comes to spending in the holidays, okay? I'm not even going to preach them. They're, they're self-explanatory. Number one, don't go into debt. If you're going into debt over Christmas presents, you need to be slapped across the face. Just being honest with you. It's okay. It's okay. Your kids can hear no. Luke wanted a dirt bike this year or a four-wheeler. Well, right now we live in the ghetto and dirt bikes and four-wheelers aren't really a thing. And we're moving into a neighborhood where they seem to frown on dirt bikes and four-wheelers. So guess what we looked at Luke and said? "Uh Uh-uh. You ain't getting a dirt bike or four-wheeler. Because guess what? We ain't going in debt for a dirt bike or four-wheeler. It's okay that he heard no. Don't go into debt. Decide what you can spend. Every year we have a budget number that we can spend on gifts. Guess what? There's years that budget number was $300 for four kids. Guess what we spent? $300 for four kids. If you don't have a number ahead of time, at the end of the holidays, you're going to be shocked at what you spent. Decide what you can spend. There's no wrong number. If all you can spend is $20, man, you make that $20 gift the greatest gift your kids or your wife or whoever's ever seen. Okay? Don't go into debt. Decide what you can spend. Don't spend more than you have. Goes back to that first one, but I want to reiterate it in a different way. If you don't got it, don't spend it. Ain't it weird we have to tell grown adults that? If you don't have it, don't spend it. I always joke, me and Christine don't have much, but what we got is paid for. Don't spend what you don't have. And just simply this, when it comes to spending during the holidays, remember Christmas is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Pass that down to your children. It's about Jesus. Practical things. You don't have to be overstressed during the holidays. You don't. You allow yourself to be stressed during the holidays. Let's pray.